I'm excited to share with you all that I've contributed a chapter to the newly published Anxiety Relief Handbook. The handbook provides a unique window into 11 highly effective complementary therapies for you to sample on your quest to ease anxiety. The ebook is available on my website, happynurse.com.au forward slash anxiety relief handbook. Generally speaking, the perceived flaws that you see in yourself, whether it's someone of the opposite sex or even a friend, they're not seeing that in you. They're not isolating that going, oh, if only you fixed that, you'd be great. Like you're the person doing that, not them. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast. Nurses are the backbone of healthcare, always there to care for strangers as if they were one of their own, often forsaking special moments with their own family in order to ensure another's loved one is being cared for. As nurses, self-care is essential. I am Elena Mullery, nurse educator and self-care mentor for nurses. I'm an RN with 20 years of clinical experience. I have first-hand experience of stress and burnout. It was this experience which led me to develop a passion for personal development and pursue the study of mindfulness, meditation, hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic programming. Each episode, I will be promoting self-care strategies to those who always care for others. I have broken self-care down into five aspects mental, emotional, physical, spiritual and indulgence to make it easy to ensure all your self-care needs are being met. Each episode I will interview nurses and self-care gurus from around the world to help you with each aspect of your self-care. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast with Elena Mullery. Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of the Happy Nurse Podcast. I'm very excited. This is episode 50. I can't believe we've actually hit this landmark already. I'm just going to share with you all now as well that after today's episode, I am taking a season break for six months. So now that we've hit 50 episodes, I will be back in March for season two. So all the previous episodes are there in the meantime, if you want any help and I look forward to seeing you all again in March. But today, for this episode, I'm joined by my wonderful friend, Michelle, who those of you who are regular listeners to the podcast will have heard many times before. Welcome back, Michelle. I'm so excited to be doing your 50th today. It's super fun. And what a beautiful way to finish off your first season. I know, it's very exciting. Thank you for jumping on again with me today. We recorded an episode a couple of months ago now around body image, and it was really well received. But we felt like with that episode, we didn't really get to the bottom of what body image can encompass. So today we're back again to unpack the whole concept of body image and positive body image further. Yeah, it's such a big topic that I don't even think we'll be able to do it justice with these episodes that we've done. But hopefully it 
you know, helps to shine a light and bring more conversations out into the open even more because it's such a big thing for both women and men. And we need to talk about it more because, you know, the old saying goes, you've got to be the change that you want to see in the world. So we've got to talk about it so that we can be the change individually and therefore collectively make a difference for the future. Yeah, I completely agree. And in the last episode, if any of you haven't heard it, we both shared our own experiences of negative body image. Michelle shared her journey and I shared mine. If you want to hear them, we won't recap today. If you want to hear that, go back to the previous episode. We'll put the link in the show notes. I can't remember exactly what number it is. I think it's 46, but it may not be. (laughs) Don't even ask me. I have no idea. (laughs) No, I don't expect you to know. I should know beforehand. Anyway, so... We had written a few things down before the last episode and we realised very quickly we weren't going to be able to touch on it all. So something that we had come up with before that's impacting negative body image is the portrayal of what a perfect body is in the media. I mean, who decides who that perfect body image, that body shape or image or whatever is, you know, we, we're we all constantly bombarded by images in the media of what the perfect male or female body should look like. And that can then lead us down the path of not feeling good enough or of pushing ourselves to our limits. And yeah, it can lead to all sorts of different kinds of anxieties. And that's the thing too, because there's such an impact from those external influences. So media and then social media nowadays being so heavily involved. But it's interesting how it's almost dictated what's acceptable and what's not acceptable because women, for example, back in the 90s, that skeletal look was how you had to look, otherwise you weren't sexy. And then that's evolved and that's changed And then I think with being in the wellness industry for so long and spending so much time in the fitness industry too, it's super interesting how trends changed an awful lot. Then there was this huge movement of women wanting to look like men and getting super, super low body fat, you know, getting the abs and the biceps and the, you know, all of the muscles going on and losing a lot of that femininity. And then, you know, even to more recent times with everybody wanting to have the ass, like, (laughs) you know, get that booty. Whereas like I remember like a decade or so ago, when everyone wanted to get rid of it. And now it's something that they want. And it's just, it's all very driven by this external noise that I think if we shut it the hell up and stop letting it dictate so much, because you're never going to fit in. And when you're trying to fit in with a mold, you're placing your happiness in an external source which is constantly going to ebb and flow. So funny, as you mentioned, the 90s, 
I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You're never going to be happy. If you're placing your happiness on an external source, you're always seeking for validation that's never going to come. Yeah. Because it's always going to change. As you were saying about the 90s, I was thinking the exact same thing. And I was a teenager in the 90s, and I've always been a curvier girl. And I found it really hard back then because there was all these gaunt, skeletal-looking like females, and I was a female who was more the kind of Marilyn Monroe shape. You know, I had the bust and the waist and the booty that everybody wants now, but (laughs) back then I thought I was huge. Yeah, exactly. Like it's... But that's the thing, if you're placing that worth externally, that's where we end up tripping over ourselves. And I kind of want to just pre-frame early into this too. Obviously, Elena and I both have female bodies, so we can only really comment from a female's perspective. I know from working with so many guys over the years that they have their own body image stuff and they you know get touted with all sorts of things in the media as well so by no means are we diminishing that blokes have the same thing too whether it's about stretch marks or cellulite or they're too big or they're too small or they're not muscular or whatever it is like completely understand and feel for that as well but obviously I don't have a male body so I don't know what that feels like from that point of view I can only empathize from experiences in a female body yeah very good point Michelle and I think it's really important to remember as well thank you for pointing out this is not gender specific this issue it affects everyone absolutely and I think that that's really prevalent because I think over the years, it's really been splashed around as a female problem. Oh, it's just a female problem. And no, it's not. I mean, as I've shared extensively over other episodes, I've come with a background in personal training and that's a male-dominated industry. And, man, the shit you see with how guys treat each other in that world, it's just... It's really crazy. So I know that men suffer from it in their own ways and, you know, generally speaking, men are supposed to be stoic and all of the things. So I don't think it's been as openly spoken about, but once again, be the change you want to see in the world. So we are speaking for you guys as well, but I would love for the media to shut up, which it never will. (laughs) So when we can't control the things that we can't control, then we go to the things we can control, which is ourselves. And I'd rather place my worth in my own hands rather than something external. And that comes from my own life experiences with eating disorders and body image stuff that I shared in the previous episode. And so 
I feel, and maybe if you're happy to go down here, Elena, I'd really love to open up the conversation about surgery and cosmetic surgery. And I know that you've got a bit of a personal story, not necessarily in relation to cosmetic surgery, but for surgery in general. And I'd like, maybe we can share a little bit of personal stuff there and go down that rabbit warren. Yeah, I'm happy to share. I mean, I um, was blessed with very big breasts. (laughs) (laughs) I don't see any male listening going, well, how is that a problem? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And in my early 20s, it was a real issue for me because I was getting back problems from it. I mean, I'm talking, they weren't just big, they were stupidly big. In my opinion, they were double G cut. Oh my God. So we're not like, you know, I had to go to a special shop to buy a bra. Yeah. I've had that happen with another friend of mine too. She was a H. Yeah. And I'm like, how are you living your life? Like the back pain, the pressure on your posture and your spine, that constant weight, like. So, yeah, I will openly share, and I share with all, all everyone who's close to me knows, when I was 25, I had a breast reduction, and it was honestly the best thing I've ever done for myself. So I will never, ever judge anyone who has any kind of surgery like that done because it definitely made a massive change to my life and to my self-esteem because before I was very, very aware of how I looked, especially like it was really hard because I was quite a normal size 14 other than on my chest and I couldn't get clothes to fit me, you know? So again, it's external influences, I know, but I couldn't get anything to fit me, so I ended up buying huge tops and stuff. Like, thinking about getting a dress was just near impossible. And, yeah, I'll never forget. It was funny. When I had it done, I had a great grandma who was in her 90s, and I knew she wouldn't agree with what I was doing because she was very – she was a Christian, and she was just – she her values just wouldn't have – aligned with what I was having done so (laughs) I never told her I remember going around to see her afterwards and she said to me oh my goodness Elena you have lost so much weight and I hadn't lost any weight I just had had my boobs reduced so interesting isn't it Mm -hmm. I also think that it is really important to note that sometimes surgeries like that are really valid because the quality of life that that gave you for your back, for your posture, for just day-to-day living, that's a huge change. But I know some people can get really concerned about judgment with that. So other than your grandma was there anyone else that you were concerned was going to judge you from doing that no I was very lucky everyone was very understanding they all understood why I was doing it and they saw the relief it brought me afterwards but in saying that I can also see 
how people can get sucked down that path. I mean, after I had my boobs done, I remember saying to my husband one day, what could I get done next? You know, like that was so easy. And then I thought, Elena, what are you saying to yourself? Stop it. You're perfect the way you are. But if I hadn't have been able to call myself, I probably could have got driven down path of maybe exploring options to have further surgery. Yeah, and I think maybe that's the piece to explore here today as well because I think there's a very distinct difference between having surgeries or cosmetics or things like that for medical reasons or health reasons and there's a difference because of doing it for low self-esteem or low self-worth. So, I mean, we talk a lot about fakeness nowadays with fake boobs, fake tan, fake hair, fake lips, Botox, like the, and it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And on the one hand, I personally find it super frustrating because none of it's real and it's like, that's not what it means to be a female, to do all of these stupid things. But then on the other hand, there's a piece of it that feels really compassionate because how low do their self-esteems need to be in order to feel like everything about them needs to be fake in order to be accepted and loved? Yeah, there's a real kind of fine line with mental health there, I think. Mm. And Let's not forget cosmetic surgery is a multi-million dollar industry. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, that's a whole can of worms. I don't think I want to open because yeah. <laughs> I work in theatre with plastic surgeons. So, And like I said, there's the, they have this beautiful place when people have had injuries or illnesses or medical conditions. They have this beautiful place in which they can bring such a quality of life to people. But I think it's the dangerous side of it when people are using that to find a self-validation that their body is not good enough the way that it is. And I think for me personally, something that I find so concerning is that, you know, not just women, but people in general can go and get Botox done willy-nilly and get all these lip fillers and face fillers and so many different aspects just done and there's sort of no real psychological check-in as to whether this is a healthy thing for that person to be doing or whether that's going to be more detrimental to their self-value and self-worth by doing so down the track. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think it should always involve some kind of counselling or psychological assessment beforehand just to ensure that the patient is in the right headspace to have this done and that there's not something underlying that should be being addressed rather than putting the Band-Aid on it by the Botox or the fillers or whatever. I agree. It should, I think, in my opinion, be more regulated. And I think that's a starting point. But I also think that there's a check-in point because two often I've heard the excuse, oh, I'm doing this for me, whether that's, you know, fake nails, fake tan, getting 
breast implants, getting Botox, getting, you know, all of the things. And I'm like, hang on, but are you really like legitimately asking that question? Because I think that's, oh, no, I'm just doing it for me. Do you really care about your boobs that much that you need to have implants? Do you really care about that smile line on your face so much that you have to get it filled? Like, I'm not buying it. I'm just not buying the bullshit excuses. I think that it's a deflection away from what's going on underneath. And, you know, maybe this is a piece of my personality and my, you know, background and, and, you know, I work in trauma recovery. I'm really curious with psychology and how people's minds work and where their triggers are and what shit's coming up with all of that and how the beliefs are then created around all of that. So I'm like, yeah, I think you're buying into your own stuff there. I don't see that working. So what would you offer as an alternative? Like, I love it. So is in like an alternative if they want to do cosmetic surgery? Yeah, or if it was they're doing it for themselves, but it wasn't really for themselves. It was so that they feel accepted. So that's why they're doing it for themselves, you know, rather than coming from a place of not being good enough, that, you know, being driven by that. I mean, for me, the answer is always pulling that thread of, Why do you feel like you being who you are fully in your true authentic version is not good enough as it is? Like really properly pulling that thread. And, yeah, you might need someone who can really hold that space and work through that. But that piece will stay there. Like you said, with yourself, with your own, oh, what could I get done next? If it doesn't feel that void, you're going to find something else. Exactly. Because you're looking for that magic fixer. So if there's a piece within that doesn't feel congruent, that doesn't feel worthy or lovable or sexy or whatever label you want to place on it, that lip filler, that Botox, that breast implants, that whatever it might give you a sense of satisfaction for a moment before you start looking for the next thing because it didn't get to the underlying cause. So I'd be more curious as to, yeah, getting to the deep roots, not just the fruit on the tree. Yeah. I think looking back now, and this is after my breast reduction, I had two children and I think a lot of the comments you get after you have a baby are quite toxic and really erode away at your body image if you're not careful because people will be like, oh, look at her. She's bounced back so quickly. She's back to her pre-baby body. And I just find that so insulting because... This body cannot produce another human without having some kind of evidence left behind, you know? Yes. And I've had to have two emergency sections with both my boys. So I've now got a delightful cesarean scar, which in moments of 
low self-esteem, I've thought, I wish I could do something about that. But over the years, I've learned to change the narrative and I'm, I now embrace it. And I think, you know, I've got my two beautiful boys and that is where they emerged out into the world. So it's not something to be ashamed of. It's something to be bloody proud of and grateful for, because if they hadn't have got them out that way, one or both of us could have ended up not here to tell the story, you know. So, but it's taken me a really long time to get into that headspace. For a long time, I used to really dislike it, to be honest. Yeah. And you know what? It's such bullshit stories about women having to make their bodies bounce back after having a baby. And like you said, like you cannot grow a human being inside your body and bring children into the world and then expect your body to be the same afterwards, you know, whether it's a cesarean scar or whether it's stretch marks or whether your body is just totally different. Like your metabolism changes multiple times throughout your life and every single time that a woman is pregnant, the metabolism changes again. So you're actually not the same woman that you were prior to having the baby. So it's absolutely ludicrous that there's this expectation to bounce back. It's just adding extra pressure to being a new mom. You know, you've suddenly got this extra human to look after. You're sleep deprived. You feel like you've got nothing left in the tank. And then it's just this added insult that, well, you're not back to your pre-baby body. It's like Exactly. And I think that's really detrimental for a lot of women because they have this expectation and pressure because they've seen maybe celebrities do it and they're like, oh, shit, I'm supposed to do that? Well, no, you're not because a female body is not designed to be able to handle that. But also I think people don't realise or maybe brush over the fact that a cesarean is major surgery. Yeah. It's the same incision wound as a hysterectomy. Now, after a woman has a hysterectomy, they're told to more or less be on, you know, minimal, minimal activity for six weeks. You can't do that when you've got a new baby. I also think, too, that there is positive movement in this direction, too. So I'll give you're a recent example with the Olympics. I'm not sure if you've heard about, I think her name's Alison Felix. No, I haven't heard this, so please share. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, all I know is what I've seen online and I love the photos of her. So she is obviously been in the Olympics recently, but she used to have a sponsorship with Nike. But after having her baby, she's got a ripping C-section scar, just like you've sort of described. Now, they, as Nike, I don't know the full story behind whether they dropped her or they cut back her sponsorship because she has a C-section scar. What kind of athlete is she? Sorry. She running, I believe. Okay. Yeah, so she, I think she's... Uh, track and field so 
but she's won a bunch of medals. So I think they offered her like 70% less of her contract due to her being pregnant, you know, basically telling her that she has her place, she should know where it is, and she decided that she's done with that. So she has these photos online, and you maybe want to look it up. I'm pretty sure her name is Alison Felix, but the photos of her are wearing her gold medals and you can see her C-section scar. She is rocking it. And I believe that she's created her own like warrior women or something along those lines because she's not affiliated with Nike anymore. But it's women like that that I think is super important because we need to see more of this. Like here's a medal winning, like Olympic medal women that have. Top of her game. Yeah, yeah. And. She too has the warrior scars, essentially, of bringing her children into the world. Why is that something that shouldn't be celebrated? Like, that's like, I, I bring it back to that lioness, warrior women. Like, that's what a goddess does. She brings women into the world and she holds her scars proudly. And I think that we have lost a little bit of that connection with our roots to the earth and with that sort of I don't know if you want to call it tribal aspect but you know just owning that this is what the human body does and those scars whether from natural birth c-section birth from whatever you've gone through that's a part of your story and owning your journey on life Yeah, most definitely. And I had a conversation similar to this with Jackie O'Connor recently, and she talks about women and their menstrual cycles. And she talks about the tribal aspect and how women used to all go into the red tent to menstruate together. And, you know, the women's body was much more kind of, what's the word, celebrated back then. Yes for what it is actually capable of doing. I'd love to throw in a couple things about that too. Go for it. Because, you know, it's such a taboo thing. Like women are supposed to hide when we've got our cycle and stuff like that. Like it's sort of been shunned as well. Like, you know, part of that, almost that body image sort of thing, like, well, you're not supposed to bleed. You're not supposed to blah, blah, blah. You shouldn't poo. You shouldn't fart, you know. (laughs) I'm just going to see it. Exactly. Who the flip designed all of that? Like, we're all human. Like, what is it? We're human beings. We do the same as men, you know, and men do these things too. Yep. I go to the toilet just like you do. (laughs) We all do it, you know? Yeah. But you're so right how we've lost so much of that tribal aspect. Like you said, the red tent. Like, back in tribal times, menstruating women were who you would go to to have and seek advice from because they were the so intuitive during those times. You know, they used to collect the blood and also use that for fertilizer and stuff like that too. Like it's really crazy how disconnected from the human body and all of its weird and wonderful ways that we've become. And I think the more that we start talking about these things, because 
this is what the body does. It's natural. It's normal. And if we can bring all of that back, then maybe people won't feel so alone and so unlovable and so like their body is wrong in some way for just doing normal functions and being a normal human body. Yeah, most definitely. And I think, yeah, that was a really empowering chat I had with Jackie. And what came out of it was, you know, women have been kind of told, you know, not to share where they are in their cycle and and not tune into it. When actually, like you said, you know, different times of our cycle, our mood, our hormone levels are different. Our moods are different. We're better at doing certain tasks. And yeah, it was really fascinating. I can't remember what number that one is, but it's a few back. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe pop that in the show notes in case people want to listen to that too. (laughs) But yeah, it's all these external influences and we've become so disconnected as a society we now don't have that, like those women circles we can share and where we can comfort and, you know, be compassionate with each other. Instead, we're all very isolated at times and we rely on images from the media rather than from our wise elders. And I think something that impacts women after they've had children too, because they've feel very, very alone when, you know, back in tribal times, we would have raised it together with the community and not been so segregated. But I also think that impacts the relationships that we have, especially romantically too, and not just the children aspect of it and how the body changes with children, but maybe just body image in general in that romantic capacity. Yeah, I think we touched briefly on this before because, you know, I shared my experience about how I know that I am very aware of my body and that I'm not your average size girl. You know, I'm slightly bigger than normal, especially when I have been dabbling in the dating scene. So, yeah, it's something that I've had to learn to kind of get over almost. And just like I said, you know, I now love my body, you know, it's the shape it is because it's been through this journey of life with me so far. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that, I'm curious, I've got my thoughts on it, but I'd really love to hear yours. Do you, you think that how we feel about our bodies impacts not just like the romantic relationships, but also, you know, how we show up in our friendships or maybe even work relationships and that? connotation of maybe being judged or I think if you have issues with your body it's always there it's underlying you know it eats away at your self-esteem it can cause your anxiety so yeah definitely and it's funny because different cultures see it in different ways you know I've got a beautiful colleague who's from the Philippines And she said to me one day, Elena, you've put on lots of weight. (laughs) And I was just like, yeah, I know. But, you know, she doesn't mean it in a negative way. She was just pointing it out. But 
Yeah, it's funny because there are different cultures see it in different ways as well. Like, you know, if you look at all over the world, like some of the tribal cultures, the women are bigger than them, you know? And I think it does, it comes back to this media influence, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. And I also think, you know, men and women have very different ideas. Like, yeah, like it's super interesting. I feel like we could sort of jump everywhere because like I even had a conversation with a beautiful man in my life only the other day. He's like, I don't understand all these lip fillers and I don't understand all this like holding back. Like men are just happy when there's a naked female around. (laughs) Yeah, you got to man brain it sometimes. That's what we call it, isn't it, Michelle? Boy brain. We've got to do them. Because <laughs> men are so much more logical than females are. Like females tend to entangle everything and overthink it to the nth degree. And, you know, generally speaking, the perceived flaws that you see in yourself whether it's someone of the opposite sex or even a friend, they're not seeing that in you. They're not isolating that going, oh, if only you fixed that, you'd be great. Like you're the person doing that, not them. They're more worried about their own insecurities than about yours. Yeah, exactly. We're all doing the same thing and trying to just get along. You know, it's... Yeah, we're all doing, at the end of the day, we're all kind of fighting the same battle, so to speak. Exactly. And so I think maybe all of that sort of brings us to, well, what do we do about this for ourselves, for children, for future? So, I mean, there obviously is a healthy weight to height ratio, you know? Oh, there's absolutely health elements to it. Like, yeah, but it's about not going into the shame and the guilt and not feeling like you're not good enough. It's trying to get rid of all of those, not get rid, that's not the right word. Trying to notice when you're going down those rabbit warrens of the negative self-talk, the inner critics coming up, you know, and instead find that inner coach and coach yourself back out of it and remember how amazing your body is, you know, and what it's doing for you every single day. I mean, it runs on autopilot most of the time. You know, we don't have to remind our heart to beat or our lungs to breathe or, you know, whatever it is, it's coming back to that gratitude, you know, that we have these amazing bodies that allow us to go about our lives day to day. Exactly. And it's our birthright to be loved and accepted and to enjoy having a human body in all of its weird and wonderful ways. And there's so much time spent comparing, but the actual reality is Nobody else has the same thumbprint as you. You are a once-off, limited edition, never again to be repeated, one of a kind. Why the hell are we spending so much time comparing when we really should be celebrating 
all of the uniquenesses that every single body has. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head, Michelle. You know, we're all individual. We're all beautiful. We just need to learn to embrace our authenticity, our originality, and, yeah, not try and be like everyone else. Yeah, and I think if we, as society in general, keep having those open conversations and keep debunking things and keep allowing people to see different types of beauty, then we can help one another overcome their insecurities and really embrace who they are and find that value in themselves. And it's not in your body because, well, let's face it, even since starting this conversation, you're older now. So, (laughs) you know, we're constantly growing and aging and cells are doing their thing, but we get a privilege of being able to experience this body and it's never going to be the same again. It changes all the time. And so if we can learn to have more genuine conversations and really accept ourselves but also accept everybody else, like I have never loved anyone more or less in my life because of their body, (laughs) like ever. Like I love them for their mind and their heart and their personality. And I know that you're the same, Elena. Like, Yeah, totally. Couldn't give a shit what the scales say. Like obviously I want you to be healthy and happy, but that looks different on every body. Yeah. And our body carries our story as well, you know, Mm -hmm. with us through our whole lives. And it will change and it will age and We may have times where different sizes, depending on what's happening in our lives, but it's there with us right till the end. And while we're healthy and we're happy, we should embrace it and love it and remember just what an amazing work of art it really is. I love that work of art. I think that is really appropriate. And I'd really love to maybe give the listeners a few tangible things that they could use moving forward because, I mean, this is such a major topic and, once again, we could probably speak for hours and hours longer, but I feel like we've given a few things here and there, but maybe if someone or even yourself is saying that, oh, that this or that is wrong with their body, maybe just checking in and asking why, like why do they feel like that and what would they gain from that being different? Like I think curiosity as to where did that thought come from and how that's going to be a difference in your world is a good question to start with. Yeah, definitely. Start digging and asking why. And it wasn't until I did that that I realized a lot of it had come from caregivers in my childhood. Yeah, yes. And that's where we get to be the change that we want to be once again for 
the youth now, for the children now to help change that paradigm moving forward and having those open conversations with children and discussing bodies and openly having that. Because, you know, I've had clients come to me with their children as young as nine and 10 that are developing eating disorders and body image stuff. I'm like, that's crazy. And it's so sad. And we know from the story that I've shared that mine started when I was 13. So I wasn't that much older and it doesn't have to be that way. I think that if we start having these conversations early on that, and be aware of how we're behaving around children too, the things we say and the things that we do because children are sponges and mirrors and they will copy what we do. Yeah, most definitely. And that being a mum to two boys, I am very aware of this because I don't want them thinking that what they see on the TV is what every single woman looks like. Because let's face it, most of the women in the media or on TV shows, they're all within a few sizes of each other and, you know, they've all got certain traits. Let's put it that way. And I'm nothing like that. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I still to this day, I'll often run past them coming out of the shower and going to my bedroom in the nude because I'm like well it's just a body at the end of the day you know what I mean and I think it's good for them to see that they don't all look the same and I love that and I think that yeah that open it's honest it's real I don't want them to have any body shame issues so if I'm not showing modeling that to them they shouldn't be picking any up if that makes sense Absolutely. It totally makes sense because then they see how you're showing up and modeling into the world and therefore giving them ideas on the way that they show up. Yeah, exactly. I love that. So, yeah, once again, be the change you want to see in the world. (laughs) Yeah, be the change. Embrace your amazing body. I love it. And... Yeah, thanks for sharing that advice at the end. That was really powerful. Ask why. If you feel like there's something not quite right, start digging. Ask why. Where is that story coming from? Because, yeah, if you start trying just to go down that rabbit warren of, well, when this is changed, then I'll be happy. Or when this changes, then I'll love myself. Because that's a bullshit story that you're feeding yourself if you think that that little change is going to shift how you feel. And I've lived that life, as you can hear in the previous episode. So I know that it's a never-ending quest until you do the work on yourself. And make sure, just a little thing that's dropped in for me now is make sure you have those genuine, authentic people in your life too. None of these fake friends that will say nice things to your face and then stab you in the back. And, you know, I'm just having reminders from my own high school years and stuff like that. And I know that, you know, there's younger women that listen to this podcast as well. And I'm like, 
if you guys have people in your life that are going to be like that, you do not need fair weather friends. Yeah, we need to be very specific in our tribe and we allow in our inner circle, don't we? Absolutely. I think it's Tony Robbins, and you'll be able to correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm pretty sure it's Tony Robbins that says the top five people you hang around, you become like, so choose them wisely. Yeah, that's what he says. You become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And it's so true. Exactly. Are they raising you up? Are they helping you grow? Are they supporting your core values and helping your beliefs in life? Or are they tearing you down and belittling you and making life harder? Because if they're doing any of the latter, they've got to go. Totally. And that's why I love our friendship so much, Michelle, because you're always there for me when I need you. And likewise. I know. I love our relationship, Elena. Soul sisters. It's beautiful. (laughs) So on that note, let's wrap this up. Yeah, episode 50, done and dusted. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for sharing it with me, Michelle. You're so welcome. It was a privilege, honey. If you want to check out Michelle and her amazing work that she does, all her social links will be in the show notes. And there'll be a free download there from her too. So thank you for sharing that with us. And yeah, I look forward to having more conversations with you in season two. I know. Bring on season two. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to the Happy Nurse Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's content and would like to join the Happy Nurse community, head over to Facebook and check out the Happy Nurse AU Facebook page and request to join the Happy Nurse community. Also, check out happynurse.com.au for access to free downloads and subscription to my blog. See you soon. And in the meantime, remember to always offer yourself the same compassion that you so freely give to others. I'm excited to share with you all that I've contributed a chapter to the newly published Anxiety Relief Handbook. The handbook provides a unique window into 11 highly effective complementary therapies for you to sample on your quest to ease anxiety. The ebook is available on my website, happynurse.com.au forward slash anxiety relief handbook.